0: There are so many ways to serve here at FOF and through FOF. 45 to actually put a finger on it. And those are only what I would call the official ways, not counting the number of ways behind the scenes that people are organically getting moved by God to help someone in need, getting together in groups to tackle a project, or organically just filling in the gaps of things. What's so amazing is that It is an opportunity open to everyone. We have people here who have been members since this church started in 1999, and they serve. We have people who have been coming here to Fellowship of Faith for just a couple of months, and they serve. We have people who are really, really old, and they serve. We have people who are really, really young and they serve. I'm struck by some of our middle school students, even some of our elementary school students who are active in serving here at Fellowship of Faith. You're never too young to serve. And as long as you draw breath, God has purpose for you in this world to bless other people. You're never too old as well. We have men who serve, we have women who serve. We have married people who serve. We have divorced people who serve. We have widows and widowers who serve. And we have singles who serve as well. Hopefully, this gave you a taste. And today, we have a serve fair going on, which is basically just an open house. When this service is done, what's going to happen is representative ministry leaders are going to be scattered throughout the coffee house. Hopefully, you saw a glimpse of it coming in, and they're just there to talk. No pressure. No strings attached, no blood oaths, no get your name on the dotted line and ha, ha we got you for life. None of that kind of nonsense that often inadvertently happens with nonprofits and, and other organizations in the world. No, 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 just an, an opportunity and availability to say, you know what, something's been stirring in me. Maybe I want to try something. Maybe I want to experiment with something. Maybe I want to see what something is about. Maybe I never thought I could do something like that. Maybe I thought that God was finished with me because of something in my past or something in my present. And there's no place for me in his work anymore. I'm here to tell you there is. And today, after this service, I encourage you, no matter who you might be, even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, to look at some of these tables and talk to some of these leaders and let God churn something in your life or or let curiosity get piqued or or, or just kind of go, well, maybe something and talk to someone just a little bit more and see what happens in the journey. I'm going to talk to you about a serving myth today, but I want to do something right now. We're going to throw a giant QR code up on the screen. And what this will take you to is our serving page, which will outline details of different serving areas. Short little descriptions for different kinds of ways that you can serve here, a little two-minute survey you can take to even kind of figure out how maybe your interests and gifts and proclivities might marry up against certain kind of jobs or opportunities that we have here. So at any point through this message, if you start zoning out, you start getting a little bit bored, the mind starts wandering, or you're a classic multitasker, just take that picture and play on your phone a little bit and, and let something happen through the process and as you're doing that i want to couch this i want to couch this in two things i want to talk to you about why why we put so much emphasis on this here at fellowship of faith and then i want to talk to you a little bit about the how and at the end i'm going to introduce you to three people three people who have found their way into paths of serving in or through fellowship of faith, and you can hear firsthand their journey, and maybe by hearing their journey, get something for your own journey as well. Now, there's this incredible passage. It's one of my favorite in the Bible, actually. It's in Mark chapter 10, and in the end, Jesus says something, and it's very foundational for us, and I want to share it with you. Now, oftentimes, You know, when we talk about the Bible here, I'll put it on the screen. But then, of course, we wouldn't see the QR code, and we need that, right? And I also thought about this. You know what the only thing better than, like, reading the Bible is or having the Bible read to you? Memorizing it. Ooh. Ingesting it. Let's get away from the M word. The M word's a dirty word, isn't it? Once had my mouth washed out with soap for saying the M word, but making God's word a natural part of you. Now here's the line, listen to it, and we're going to practice this together. Jesus says this, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Let me say it again. Jesus said this, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus did not come to do what? Serve. Be served. Be served. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> Jesus said this, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus did not come to be what? Serve. But what did he come to do instead? And how was he going to do it? You got it. Now, maybe you don't have it word for word, but you know it. Don't freak yourself out with learning the Bible or memorizing the Bible. When you get away from all the ways that we've paralyzed ourselves in it, it's far easier than you think. You know it. I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Try it with me. I have not come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Time two. I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You try. Turn to someone next to you and tell them. I'm just going to say good job and live in my delusion here for a minute, okay? (laughs) You know it. I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And knowing what Jesus says is good. Knowing the words of the Bible is good. But you know what's even better? Doing them. Living them. You can spend your whole life learning the words of Jesus and reading the Bible, but until you act on it, it's only going to take you so far. If Jesus himself said, Jesus, I mean, this is Jesus, right? If Jesus himself said, I have not come to be served, but to serve, and he lived with that kind of attitude. I mean, we are talking God come down to serve If anyone deserves to be served, would you agree it is Jesus? It is God. But he says, I have come to be served, not to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. And those of us whose hearts have been captured by Jesus, because that's really what this is about here. Not just today, but every week. It's a a gathering of people. Kind of want to give their lives to him. Or captured by him or enamored by him, or shoot, some of us even just, man, I need you. <laughs> and what it means is we kind of want to do what he does. We want to live like he lived. We want to think like he thinks. We want to listen to him because we love him and want to explore his way, which is a very different way than any other way that this world has ever. And so what that means practically is that if Jesus says, I have not come to be served but to serve, we seek to do the same. And our hope is that you do as well. That you're willing to open that door and step out and explore what it means to live in a very different way based on the pattern of Jesus, which leads me to the myth. It's a serving myth that I hear in this church and I've heard in other churches and I kind of hear uh, parroted, if you will, in the Christian community often. Maybe you've said it yourself, but, but let me share it with you today and then we're gonna spend a little time unpacking it. And the myth goes something like this. It's always the same people doing the same thing. Sometimes put like this. It always seems like it's the same people who are serving. Maybe it goes like this. How come it's only these people who always volunteer? Which implies a certain sense of frustration, would you agree? Or maybe just difficulty in the soul that others are not? I want to talk to you about that phrase or any of the iterations that it might find itself in. First, I've simply found that oftentimes it's simply not based on fact. Oftentimes I find that when people are saying it, they're not saying it because they're actually analyzing numbers of how many people are serving and what the serving turnover looks like and all that kind of stuff. Rather, they're just kind of lamenting what they see in their own little world, in the area where they serve. Maybe in the history they have. And it often comes from a place, I think quite honestly, of feeling the weight of service. Feeling the weight of the responsibility, knowing that this job depends on me and I got to get it done. And you know, this week I'm just kind of tired. This week I'm just kind of distracted. This season of life, I'm not all in if I'm being really honest. And it just sort of shares a lament, if you will about all of that under language that comes out like, why is it always the same people? You don't have to raise your hands, but you ever been there? You know know this, it's not just church. Maybe it's at your school. Maybe it's in some civic or social organization. Maybe it's some kind of neighborhood thing going on. Shoot, maybe it's even at your job where people are getting paid and it still feels that way. It betrays something, I think. And this is the myth that I'd like to talk about briefly today. Whenever I hear statements like that or find myself saying them myself, I find it often comes from an attitude that believes serving should be a temporary endeavor. Let me say that again, that serving should be a temporary endeavor. That what I'm doing is here simply to fill a short-term need. Sometimes I think it's ratcheted up even worse that serving is doing someone a favor. That by my serving, I am here to do you a favor to help you out or worse. God, I'm doing you a favor. And we'd never say it, but I suspect sometimes we unknowingly and unwittingly believe it. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus saw serving as something very different. He saw it as what Christian theologians will tag with a very fancy word simply called vocation. Now, when I talk about vocation, I would suspect that you probably hear something like, my job, meaning where do I go to punch my clock or fill out my time But that's not what Christian tradition in theology means by the term vocation. This is what they mean instead. Responding to where God has placed you. Period. God has placed each of you in unique situations, in various places, from the geographical location and neighborhood in which you live, to the family that you're a part of, to the school that you belong to, whether as a child or as a parent, to the workplace that you're involved in, to the social circles that you're engaged in. God, we can say, has placed you there. And when you are there, God has laid upon you certain responsibilities. And often, not always, but often, when you are there, those responsibilities are not temporary. Could you imagine a mom, after five years of service, going, Why doesn't someone else do this for a while? It's kind of foolishness, isn't it? But isn't that what we do with serving? Right? Can you imagine a professional ball player? Take your favorite player of your favorite team. I only know like three professional sports teams total, so I can't give you an example. But imagine that person. Think about the arc of their career and how most, almost universally they always wish they had more to give. But the arm starts to go, the knees start to go, the, the body starts to go. Do they go into the NFL? Do they go into the NBA? Do they go into the major league or the NHL or whatever your variety might be? Going, man, I'm going to do this for two years. And psh, no, they do it because they love it. They know it's short lived. But how many of them wish that they could play at prime? Or even if they couldn't play at prime, that they could still play? in an ongoing kind of way. Do you ever hear him say something like, oh, I wish more people would join the NBA, that way I wouldn't have to do this anymore. (laughs) I guarantee you it's words that have never been said. And yet when we come into the kingdom of God, how often do we adopt this attitude of going, well, okay, I'll kind of do this for six weeks, and, and then maybe someone else will step up. Okay, God, you're welcome. God has placed you somewhere. And the joy of being a Christian, or dare I say a Jesus follower, is learning the joy and meaning and purpose that comes out of living a vocation for life. Oh, to think that the service you give Is not so much about helping someone in need or filling a necessary component as a cog in a machine as it is some kind of way of life in response to God, to live like he lives. When people say to me, man, why doesn't someone else want to do this? I'm like, don't you just want to keep doing, don't you... Don't you want to keep doing this? Don't you love this? No, I know it gets hard, believe me. I know it gets frustrating, believe me. I know we get tired, believe me. But aren't the best things in life often laced at times with hardship, frustration, and fatigue? Just think of your spouse just think of your kids what's that classic line from that old 80's baseball movie that name I can't even think of right now league of their own you remember that it's the hard that makes it good Nah, serving God can be hard it can be scary it can be monotonous we can feel like we're not being used to our full potential yeah but it is no less glorifying to God And when someone gives their life to serve others, because that's what loving your neighbor as yourself really is about. Lowering yourself to help them, lowering yourself to serve them. Jesus himself wrapped a towel around his waist and physically lowered himself to wash disciples' feet. That's a gross job. But he did it, and he did it to show us something, and he did it because that's who he is. I go back to that line I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Do you know the context? It's great how this happens. James and John, yeah, the John we're going to be talking about in two weeks, him and big brother come to Jesus, and they come to Jesus, and they go, Jesus, I've got to ask you something. But before we ask you, we want you to say yes to whatever it is we're going to ask you. Mom and Dad, you ever get kind of get loaded this way? You ever get this kind of question here, right? And and, and what do you do if you're on your game and you're smart in the moment? What are you going to ask me? Let me hear it first. I mean, the audacity of these two guys, right? Lord, when you come into your kingdom, one of us wants to sit on your right and the other wants to sit on your left. All right? Like, no small... Request That is like guts right there. That's, that, that's, that's, well, that's some body organ right there, and I'll just leave it at that, you know? You know what Jesus tells them? By the way, that's Mark's version. This is worth noting. In Matthew's version, you know what happens? They don't ask themselves. You know what they do? They send their mom to ask. <laughs> Simple life lesson for you today. Do you know how to determine that you are not great? You know that you are not great if you send your mom to ask someone for you to be great. Alright? Just, just just roll with that and that will serve you well to your dying day. Alright? They send their mom to ask. And Jesus says to them, You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm gonna drink? Can you be baptized in the baptism I'm about to undertake and they still don't really know what he's talking about? And they're like, well, yeah, sure we can. No, no, let me clear it up for you. When I come into my kingdom and am revealed in my greatness in glory, do you really want to be at my right? And at my left? Are you, are you following the imagery? Here today, because for Jesus, greatness means serving. For Jesus, the glory of God comes out when we humble ourselves and give ourselves for many. That's what this is all about. And so, what I'd like to do now is share with you how to go about doing it. Because let's face it, sometimes we just don't know where to begin. Well, we've got a QR code, so we at least know that, and we can, like, read information on it, right? But how do I matrix that into me? And I've got one word for you. Meandering. Do you know how God is going to reveal himself to you more times than not? Meandering. Do you know what it means to meander? Just kind of this weird path, journeying through life, filled with twists and turns and dead ends. I can put it this way, experimenting. I can put it this way, trying things. I can tell it this way, just putting yourself out there where you are and seeing what ends up. Sometimes you'll see these beautiful serving patterns, these beautiful discipleship patterns that look like baseball diamonds, and it goes, no, and then grow, and then go. And then I guess you get to a home run when you die and go to heaven or something like that. As though somehow your life is some, your spiritual life is some like linear base touching that goes in order. I've never seen that to be the case. I've seen many people first go, and by that they begin to grow. And through that they're perked to even want to know No, the spiritual journey is far messier than all the beautiful one-page diagrams that we can hand you and devotional books that get publishing deals. Try stuff. Try stuff that's weird. Try stuff that's nuts. See where needs are, ways that you can bless other people and love other people, and just do it. Do it as an act of service. Listen to what God is churning in your heart, interests and passions. Take a step on it. Respond on it. And through that, God will continue to show you one step ahead. Not always linear, but sometimes with detours and back doors, sometimes with open windows that need to be climbed through, but God in the process will do something in you as you give your life to serving him just Start giving stuff a shot in the situation in life that God has placed you. So I'd like to introduce you to a few people here this morning. who are going to tell their own stories in their journey of, dare I say, meandering life and where God has brought them in that. First is an amazing woman who has this incredible story from, I believe, just two months ago, and her name is Ashley Ward. And I'm gonna invite her to the stage, and would you just join me this morning in welcoming her as she comes up. All right, Ashley, if you don't mind, maybe just introduce yourself briefly, how long you've been coming to Fellowship of Faith, and a little bit about your, your professional career, because I know that's going to factor in. And here, feel free to have a seat if you'd like.
1: So we've been going on and off for about five years, um, more consistently for the past two. Um, and, uh, and then I'm a nurse practitioner. I specialize in ENT.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming up and doing this today. Yeah. And uh, it was this past June. Yep that you went on your trip. Yeah. Tell us briefly about this mission trip that you just went on and the kind of work that was happening.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, Project Hope. Um, they go to Mexico, um, Uganda, and I think Nicaragua. Um, and it's uh, they've got two parts. Um, they've got like, we, um, we go with Mission Ministries. We partner with them. They've got the clinic and, and then just extra bodies to help out with the work. Um, they build houses. They um, they have a school for the kids, um, a day program, and then they have a, a clinic where they can get some medical care.
0: So. Now you were in Juarez, correct? And if I'm not mistaken, Juarez is considered now at least one of the top ten most dangerous cities to be in in the world, <laughs> correct? And I don't know how you measure that kind of thing, but yeah. I mean, you know, you're going you're going to the Badlands. Yeah, yeah. Here.
1: Our compound was like. Um, it had razor wire with broken glass all around the top with like, uh, with guards. You know?
0: and, and all that kind of stuff. And and, yeah. and tell us a little bit about the needs you saw while you were there.
1: Oh, so, um, so the clinic, um, they hadn't had medical care for about four months. Um, and so this was like their only opportunity to get some, some treatment. Um, and the kids, you know, they're tough. They're like, I saw the six year old. He, um, he was like, well, my ear hurts and I told him he had an infection and he needs antibiotics and he was like, oh, it doesn't hurt that bad. I don't need it because my mom can't afford them. And it's just crazy. Um, and so then um, a lot of them are being like mismanaged. Um, see, I thought I was gonna bring tissues and i forgot
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's Lexi's music if you... <laughs>
1: <laughs> so much like diabetes, High blood pressure—all this stuff is just. Oh man, it was overwhelming how poorly they're treated, and and you know that they're like living in houses made out of mattresses and tires, and it's just crazy. Yeah.
0: Now, this isn't something you sought out. Now, if you would tell us your story and the story of how you ended up serving in this place.
1: So I was just scrolling on Facebook. Um, it was about six weeks before the trip, and they were putting out an SOS, like, hey, we, you know, we had this whole <laughs> thing.
0: <Thanks." laughs> we'll leave it here for the next two as well, all right? <laughs>
1: um, so they put out this SOS. My um, my cousin, um, her cousin, is um, one of the team leaders. So um, they had this whole team together, a physical therapist, a pharmacist, um, you know, nurse, nurse. Uh, phlebotomists, all these te- people, but they couldn't practice without a medical license. And so um, they were gonna have to cancel the whole um, clinic if they didn't find a doctor. So they had two doctors lined up, both dropped out, um, because one, you know, like his partner went into labor so he couldn't leave, and then another one um, um, dropped out. And so um, I, I normally wouldn't even click on that because look the season of life we're in, right? Like, yeah. um, I've... Three little kids and a full-time job, and I just didn't think it'd be realistic. But I went ahead and clicked on it, got more information, and she's like, "Well, you have to have a valid passport." And I'm like, oof, I don't know. I haven't been out of the country for you know almost 10 years. My passport had like a year, le- year or two left, so that was fine. And then it was okay. I don't. It's only six weeks away. My clinic's usually full, um, so I don't even know if I have the time off." In February, so like four months prior to this, I had just randomly taken these two days off that happened to be the two days of the trip, um, just to like organize the house. So that's not done. Um, <laughs> but but like I had these two days already off. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. And then, um, and then it was like childcare. Well, Dan and I had already planned a trip and my mom was already coming in from Phoenix to watch the kids. So that was fine. And then the only other thing was like financial. We hadn't really... For that, well,
0: yeah, not cheap to do these kinds of things. Not cheap, no.
1: So I randomly got like an anonymous donation that covered my whole part of the trip, and then um, and then I logged in, you know, to Southwest to look for flights, and I had just enough points to pay for the flight. So that cost me, you know, whatever the tax was, six bucks or something. And then um, and then I reached out to you guys, and and I got some support with like the hotel and stuff. So I ended up going, and it didn't that there was no financial strain. And so I was talking to Dan, and I'm like, "Man, I feel like I have to go because it's like I don't really have a choice." So, so.
0: God has backed you in a corner, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> I'm
1: like, "Okay, so I've taken care of everything. You have literally no excuse." So I went, and it was fantastic. And we're already talking about going again next summer, and um, you know, hopefully taking more of the family. And it's just a—it was really cool how it all um, how it all developed. And then in women's group, on top of all of those coincidental things happening, right, I've got enough PTO, I got the time off, I got babysitting, financials taken care of. Um, One of the ladies, I think she's here. I'm not gonna call her out. Uh, (laughs) She was reading a book, you know who you are, and she got to the chapter where um, it had talked about doing international like mission work and going to another country, and she said she stopped reading the book. (laughs) (laughs) because um, she's like, well, I know God's not asking me to go to another country to do mission work. But just
0: in case he is, let's block him out so there's no risk, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: And that was literally like two days before I got asked (laughs) to go to another country and do mission work. So it was just like everything. It just all was very convincing that I had to go there.
0: And and what struck me in, in your story when you shared it with me was not only that you weren't looking for this, all the excuses, and and I mean that in a positive way, but all the the very realistic reasons why this shouldn't happen, but God removing these barriers, and on the aftermath, you have been glowing for two
2: months. (laughs) You
0: know, I've seen it, you've been talking to people, it's gotten in your skin, I mean, you you correct me if I'm wrong, but it it seems to have birthed some kind of passion that goes beyond just helping someone once Mm -hmm. to, dare I say, even calling purpose, meaning, am I overstating this at all? Okay, okay, it's like you're kind of changed by this and and see it lifelong. Ashley, thank you for coming up on stage so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Let's give her a hand, all right? (laughs) I'm struck by this because so often it's just responding. It is just responding to the most random thing God might put in your path and with a little bit of curiosity, allowing God to continue to take the journey forward. And you will see and witness firsthand God remove obstacles, provide avenues. It doesn't mean you won't be scared. It doesn't mean there won't be challenge. Hi, girls. It doesn't mean that you won't face things and through it, God will often shape something in you. If you would like to serve with Ashley or learn more about this ministry, come find her at the ministry fair. She'd love to tell you her story, especially if you're a medical professional here, but even if you're not. Thank you, Ashley. Really, really appreciate it. I've got a second story for you, and we're going to kick this one off with a video. Take a look. I know how it feels to be abandoned to be abused, to be hungry,
3: to be afraid, to have no home or family to call my own,
2: to have no place to go, to live without love. These are the words of an orphan and there are a hundred million more like me in the world today.
3: Sendo was found abandoned in a trash pit next to a train in the town of Mitiana. All alone in the trash pit. This two-month-old baby was rescued by the Hopes and the Uganda team back in March of 2019. Traces of possible family members have been made, but with no success. The Hope Center has been and he is home for this three-year-old happy and healthy boy. We are actively seeking to find a family willing to foster and adopt Tendo, to find him a family he can call his own. There are so many more stories where abused and abandoned children have been rescued and saved by the grace of God through the Hope Center.
2: small Christ-centered baby home located in the heart of Uganda in the Mityana district and we are the only baby home in the entire area we, our- we employ around 25 Ugandan staff members and are officially licensed as an NGO and 501c3 <laughs> We take in abandoned and orphaned children who have experienced some of the worst abuse you could ever imagine, and give them a place to thrive, a place of hope. Our staff acts as one big family. When a child is brought to us, we welcome them with open arms, providing them with food, shelter, medical treatment, education, and most importantly, love. This would be impossible without the generosity and prayers of people like you. Our end goal is to find them home and a family they can call their own, which could either be suitable members of their own family or others looking for a child to bring into their own family and love. The question is, will you
3: you? hope?
0: So, I'd like to introduce you to Paul Wells. Paul, if you'd like to come on up. All right, brother. How you doing? Good, good. You get this. Here, have a seat. So, you are Steve and Barbie's child. You don't look like him.
3: (laughs) Yeah. but.
0: So, so, t- so tell us about that, uh, like, like what's your relationship here and uh, how, how did this all happen?
3: Yeah, so back in 2015, I was 15 years old by then, I was, uh, I was raised by my mom and my brothers and my other siblings, six of us, and all of us had to work to be able to you know, pay for school and stuff like that, and so when I was 15, I went up to the Hope Center and I was trying to find a job to be able to work and um, then pay for my school. And so I went and started working on the farm, you know, hard labor work now and then. And during that time, um, they were coming to Uganda. So they came to Uganda. I met them and moved around, uh, you know, doing ministry work and with the hopes and all that. And that's how I met them and got connected to them.
0: All right. And if I'm not mistaken, you then came to the States with them um, several years ago, correct? You uh, lived with uh, Stephen Barbie and, and Maya. Um, for what, two or three years through high school? Yeah, so uh, during
3: that time, communication, you know, talking back and forth with them you know, with, on Facebook and texting and all that, you know, got a good connection with them. And, and so I was able to like, you know, can I come over to the U.S. for school? And they're like, sure, I mean, we've never done this before, but <laughs> we could try. So eventually uh, we worked on that and it happened. It happened, I came here for three, I think it was two and a half years in Nebraska for high
0: school and it was a great time being there, yeah. And so, you then went back to Uganda. You were there for several years, and you've been back here stateside now for uh, two months or so, a month maybe, I don't know. Yeah, it's been a month. Yeah, so
3: I was, you know, after my high school, I was like, you know, what am I gonna do? I was like, you know, can I, should I stay, should I go back? And I was living a great mm-hmm. life, I'm telling you that. Um, and back home, my mom, you know, was still renting, and, cause we lived in a, one single room house, you know, all of us. Mm-hmm. And I was out here living, I don't know, the great life. I mean, it was a life I've never lived in my entire life before. And I was like, uh, I had a choice. I could stay or I could go back and, you know, be with my mom and, you know, get involved with the Hopes and a little bit more. And so I made a decision to go back. It was a tough decision. I bet. All of us were crying during that time. So I went back and started, you know, getting involved and working with the Hopes. And it wasn't easy. It was a big transition because I, I was used to, Taking a hot shower, and I had to go back to. It. I mean, so many other, you know, good stuff, as we would say, but you know, the transition wasn't easy. And I started getting involved in the Hope Center, working with them a little bit more. And I was there for three years, um, and then th- that's when I came back. So I've been here for a month now.
0: Yeah, yeah, back for school. Fantastic. What I love about your story too is you are a native of Uganda, correct? Yes, right. Born and raised in Uganda. I didn't know if it was uh, like, you know, in no, childhood I you came to Uganda. And in Uganda. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Unlike Stephen Barbie or so many of us who travel somewhere temporarily. I and mean, this this place is your home where this ministry is going on. I mean it's your culture. It's yes. your family. I and mean, you you have family there and friends there and, mm-hmm. and people um, like that, which, which strikes me is that it poises you better than anyone to know not only the needs, but how to bring help and hope to people yeah. in your situation.
3: so watching like a video like that, every single kid in that video, I know. And his story, I know. We been in the field to pick him up. We've done this, this and that. And it's like watching that video, it's like knowing their stories and knowing where they come from it's a whole different, you know, impact and feel you get with that. And also being here and having both uh, sides of knowing, you know, how it is to live in Uganda and how it is to live here. It just shows me how, you know, God has blessed me in so many ways, you know, being here and even just even till now, I'm still working for the hopes and I'm still trying to do, you know, help them like as much as I can, you know, doing Online payments and doing all these things, you know, getting in touch with everyone as much as you can. All the administrative stuff that <laughs> uh-huh. no one enjoys doing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even just being there, you know, doing that kind of work, it's not easy. It just comes with so many challenges, and many times you're like, you know, God, why, why did you place me in this kind of thing, you know? And you have so many questions, and it brings you to the point that even when things don't go right for you, it's like you're questioning God. You know, I found myself doing this, and I didn't even know, like, okay, God, why I've been doing all this great work, I would say, for, you know, for everyone. But for me, why am I going through these challenges? And yeah. a question like that brings you back to understand you are not serving just so God can say yes to everything you're gonna, you, know, you want in your life. You know. And it's like sometimes you don't even know. And like when those challenges kick in, it's like, okay, this is work of God and I'm not doing this to get nothing
0: from it, you know? But, you yeah. It's, it's amazing to me, like watching kind of from afar, the trajectory of your life, you know, hearing through Steve and Barbie and, and, and whatnot that, you know, you were here for three years. There's, there's more food to eat than that's can right. ever be eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you tried, but, uh, you know, but, but there is, I mean, you know, the hot shower thing that you mentioned uh-huh. earlier, a, yeah. a certain standard of living that's just different here. And then to go back into Uganda... To, to serve there and, and to continue to serve them now from here as you do in college. Yeah. Um, dude, that's just mind blowing to me. That's incredible. Yeah,
3: there's so many questions that living here for those three years I lived in Nebraska that I didn't ask myself and I wouldn't think I would ever ask myself again, even right now. But like, I was back in Uganda working for the Hope Center. I mean, I was still you know, getting paid doing my job, right? But there's a question like, and I you know, many people I talk to like, there's a question like, what am I gonna have for dinner? Like, that was never a question. And being here, it's like, it's never even a question sometimes. You know, maybe in some different families, but it's rare. But me even being there, having a job and making some money, that was a question now and then, you know. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. here, you you know, you got, I mean, we have so much food in the fridge. Every now and then you run around, go back, get something with it. And it's just great, you know. But yeah, it just kind of makes you and gives you a whole different perspective of life in general, like. God has blessed me so much
0: you know, in so many ways, and it's, it's really different. Yeah. It's incredible that you're back here, part of this congregation, mm-hmm. continuing to serve the way you serve. Thank you for coming up, just for the, in, the opportunity for me to introduce you to this church, um, um, but you. also for you to share your story. Brother, God bless. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you. All right, <laughs> let's give Paul a hand. What I love about Paul's story among so many things is the way that he took his natural everyday life that God had been shaping in him 24-7. He knows it better than any of us will ever know it from the States. And choosing to serve in that capacity right from that place as opposed to some hypothetical dream. If you want to know more about Hope Center or Paul's journey or serving that capacity, go find them at the Mission Go table afterwards today and do this too. Uh, find Paul. Just uh, introduce yourself personally and set up a time that you could take him to Crandall's Chicken up in Hebron. All right, uh, l- l- let's get him like, like 250 chicken dates over the next um, you know, year and a half or so and uh, we'll appreciate it, all right? There's one final person that I want to introduce to you today. Her name is Sally Roth. Sally and I just came back from St. Louis last week where she began a four-year journey through seminary at the age, and I'm going to out you, uh, Sally, at the age of 73 years old. Would you welcome Sally to the stage with me today? Sally, I love it. You're wearing your patch. Sally has enrolled in the Deaconess Program at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Here, have a seat. And uh, for the next four years, Sally is gonna be going through online seminary education as long as being our deaconess intern here at Fellowship of Faith. So you're gonna be hearing and seeing and getting to know Sally more and more, especially in care and prayer ministry. So Sally, I think the burning question that a lot of us have today is, forgive me, but given your age, why are you going back to school? Got to ask God that question because I don't know myself. <laughs> I mean, hearing your story, I almost feel like you feel like you're almost being dragged by God. Maybe not kicking and screaming the whole time, no, but
4: sometimes, not, right? Uh, sometimes. Tell us sometimes. a little bit about the journey. So um, last fall, Dave put out a, Pastor Dave, I guess it better be. A little, Dave is fine. All okay, right. D- okay. Dave is fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, put out a survey. And I don't usually do surveys, but I did this one. <clears throat> and, um, you know, my kids are all grown, my grandkids are growing, you know, one's driving. So, no- I mean, it's like nobody needs me anymore. So I'm sitting in my new home and I'm looking at my walls and it's like, okay, God, now what? Don't ever say, God, now what? <laughs> Then I get this phone call. (laughs) Sal, we need to talk. (laughs) Be careful when you talk to pastors. It's very difficult. (laughs) Anyway, that's how it began. Um, The application um, process to Concordia Seminary was truly one of the Hardest things I've ever done in my life, and that includes giving birth Um, (laughs) three times. Um, The admissions
0: office, by the way, loves that glowing review. (laughs) Hi,
4: guys. (laughs) But that admin department, oh my gosh, they are sent by God as well. So there were times, you know, um, first of all, finding my transcript. I graduated with my BA from Concordia River Forest so long ago that they had to go to the rock pile to find my transcript. (laughs) And I don't even remember what it looks like. I'm probably not proud of it. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) um, So uh, yeah, so I start this journey and um, the big thing, well, all the paperwork, oh my gosh. And I'm not too technology, savvy. So poor, poor Dave had to deal with me and, and, and PDFs and all that kind of thing. It's like, oh boy, gosh. So um, anyway, so I got through that part. Um, but we had to take three tests, one on the Old Testament, one on the New Testament, and one on theology and doctrine. We had to pass with a 70 percent. And you got three chances to pass it. Now that should tell you something right there. Ah, after, after a few tries, I did actually pass the Theology and Doctrine, which was my easiest one, strangely. I thought the New Testament was going to be a piece of cake. And I almost quit when I did not pass the New Testament. So every time I ran into difficulties, I send an SOS up to God, and he sent me an ambulance. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, I get a, I get a phone call from somebody, I had no idea who she was, but she was a deaconess already um, in the program at the seminary, and her name was Grace. So there you go. So, um, no, you know, keep going, it's gonna be fine, all this encouragement, and I'm saying, oh, I don't know that this is fine, but okay. So, I, I mean, I was ready to quit before my deadline, so my kids, I have three sons, when I said, okay, I'm quitting, two of them said, well, you really tried hard, Mom. That's, that's, you know, okay. My son, Ben, who's with me here today, he says, Mom, this is something you really wanted to do, and you're not even at the deadline yet. Moreover, my grandkids, you're going to quit, <laughs> you know, when I'm encouraging them to get through school. so. You know, it was all this encouragement and stuff. And truly, I never did pass the Old Testament test. I always scored in the 60s. They gave me an extra week and an extra test to pass it. But I have to tell you, my Bible, the Old Testament, is 1,535 pages. The study guide is 685 pages. And you basically had to know every word of both books and it was they the test is so random it's crazy so i'm thinking that collectively in four tries i probably got a hundred percent right i love it <laughs> so,
0: and imagine this and god did not shelve you over the 25 percent right no he yep.
4: did not yep. he did not so truly god god has my uh, i i'm very close to one of my cousins, um, all my cousins actually, but this one, um, went to Concordia River Forest with me and we've been really close, he's kind of one of my theological go-to guys, and he said, Sally, your life has been lived for this moment, Hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I've had 73 years (laughs) of so many experiences, both good and bad, and God has always been with me and directing my path, I've never lost sight of the light that Jesus shines in my direction. I love my Lord and Savior so much that it is just my joy and my pleasure to be to this place. And... um, Yes, (laughs)
0: and it is a joy having you in this next step of the journey. Now, I know you mentioned this to me earlier, and and we can do this if you want, but you said that you wanted to read your acceptance letter. I do want
4: to read my acceptance letter. Why don't we do that? I do that. Yes. Okay. (laughs) It's really quite official in the envelope. (laughs) I uh, (laughs) thought I'd better use my own because it might get wet.
0: Kleenex boxes, right there.
4: Yeah, I got some in my hand too. I knew that. I'm doing good, though. I, for five days, I have cried almost continually. So this is amazing.
0: I cried for four years when I was at Concordia <laughs> Seminary, so well, I... I,
4: I have a feeling I got four years to go yet. <laughs> but I tell you, the people down there just seem to love me. <laughs> just seem to love me, and. Um, I kind of got a nickname while I was there, didn't you I, did. by the end? And, and
0: I'll share it very quickly. She shared some of her story with you. Sally became Grandma. Grandma Sally to all of these deaconess students, all of these seminary students, all of these MDiv and SMP people, it's Grandma Sally. You were such a light, <laughs> uh, you know, not because she was planning to be, not because she was setting out to be, you were just being you. And it was shining out and blessing them, I think, more than you were blessed by them. And given how much you cried when we were down there, that's saying something. So, uh, you know, yeah, constant smile. So yeah. let's, let's, let's right. hear the letter. Here let's hear go. the letter.
4: Dear Pastor Gadini, Kimberly Brandt, and the Congregation of Fellowship of Faith, here I go. I am both humbled and honored, and I mean that sincerely, to declare and accept the position of deaconess intern here at Fellowship of Faith I am thrilled and eager to begin working with Pastor Godini in developing and implementing the areas of ministry in which I will serve the members of the congregation. God has guided my steps in this journey and I truly believe he has called me to this position of deaconess. I ask the congregation to hold me in your prayers that I will grow in spirit and knowledge of the triune God, that I will stay strong in faith and grow in vision of God's glorious plan to our salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, in love, joy, and peace in Christ. Meet Sally.
0: <laughs> well, Sally, we cannot wait to begin this journey. I thought maybe we could pray over Sally today as this new official beginning comes underway if you would join with me Lord God in heaven thank you for this amazing woman that you've brought to this church and and the openness of posture and heart that she has had to you even against the times of, of frustration and fear and difficulty among the times that she's wanted to quit among the times when it was beyond what she was capable of and Lord you did a work a work in her and through her and around her and she trusted you bless her God and bless us through her journey. God, we pray, amen. Thank you so much, Sally, for coming up. I'll take the mic. If you would like information on how to pursue next level church ministry, come talk to me. I'll be back there. And I won't pull a Sally on you, you know what I mean? Like, like she kind of threw me under the bus on that a little bit, but uh, you know, if you want to investigate or explore, I'd love to chat. You know what I love about Sally's story is that retirement for a lot of people means golf or TV or travel, and these are wonderful, noble things. But she said, God is not finished with me yet, and my best, lot, my best years are not behind me. There's something that I want to continue to grow into, to do, to serve by, and do I need to describe the joy? that we're seeing of what God is doing in her. Open your heart, take a step, see what God does in you. Welcome to Jesus' philosophy of serving. So I'm gonna invite the man to come up and here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. If you haven't taken a shot of this yet and, and followed the QR code, it will take you to our serve page. And what I'd like you to do for the next two minutes. That's all it should really take. As you will find a big red button on our serve page that talks about this little survey that you can take. I want to invite you to take it. It should take you no more than 100 seconds, maybe, but we'll give you two minutes, 120. Take a brief little survey and just, just as a way of exploring, just as a way of saying, God, what's out there? Just as a way of saying, God, what's cooking in me and how might it match with things that are happening here? See some of the responses that it kicks out. If you'd like to talk to me or anyone more about it, follow up. It should be pretty intuitive. But I encourage you, pull out your phone. Do it right now. Don't delay. Take a step, even if you've taken steps before, in exploring a path today. God bless, guys.